Welcome to the Redemption Hill podcast, addressing current topics practically through a gospel-centered lens and identity. My name is Matt Mears. This is Charles Fernandez and Jason Ledford. We are elders here at Redemption Hill Church. And today we are going to be jumping right back into the book of Romans. Last week we took a break. We talked about the election and all that surrounds that. If you have not watched that, I would encourage you to do so. I think there's some really helpful things for us to think about as we move forward uh, in our society, uh, as we continue on, but we are today going to be looking at Romans chapter 3 and verses 1 through 8. So Jason, I'm going to ask you to read that as we begin today. Then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way, by no means. For then, how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory... Why am I still condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. Thank you, Jason. Well, you know, uh, I think these uh, first couple of chapters, there it, it can seem like there's just a bit of a repetitive nature to it, mm-hmm. uh, but it is uh, Paul's building his argument here. Uh, he is he is uh, setting up in many ways the problem, the uh, the faithlessness of humanity, the brokenness of humanity, uh, what the consequences of sin and rebellion are, and then he's going to turn that and 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 uh, he does so in some ways in the passages, but then he's going to begin to make his argument for how Christ uh, redeems and is uh, the the is the perfection that we are all um, searching for and that is required in order for us to have relationship with God. And so I think uh, maybe as we start, uh, maybe just a a beginning question, what does it mean that God is righteous? Well, God's God's righteousness acknowledges the fact that one, as as creator um, of all things, God's the one who then as creator is also the one who has set the standard of what is true, what is holy, what what is right, and um, and Matt, I'm glad you brought up about you know what Paul is is doing. I mean, certainly, you know, he is definitely building. It, it's good to keep in mind who he's talking to at the Roman Church. You got a very uh, uh, diverse population here. Paul is dealing with both those population of Jews who have the law, grew up in the law, but you're also dealing with, you know, with Gentiles, Romans who have no knowledge of the law. So Paul's being very meticulous in beginning to, to build this thing up. And, and he's attacking it from, the, from two ways, is that with God's standard of righteousness, um, uh, one, uh, Jews, you can't, you're not going to be able to attain to that standard of righteousness simply through your own uh, self-discipline and strict adherence to, to good works. And then, you know, so for those who are trying to justify themselves through uh, moral behavior modification, we'll put it that way, um, you're going to end up falling short. You're going to aggravate yourself. And then on the other end, you have uh, those uh, 
who are without the law or you have the, the Gentile and, you know, they're just sort of living according to their own truth, much like in our own culture today, postmodern culture, people defining their own truth. We hear that many times, and let me tell you my truth. And, um, and they, fall, they, they just are, are seeking to find satisfaction through their own version of truth or morality. And so, uh, but the one thing that never goes away is this. And this is how I always you know, think about it is the one who creates the worlds gets to set the standard. Yeah. The one who dies and raises from the dead He's the one you listen to, you know, and but the fact of the matter is that God created the standard. And then it's important for us to realize that we were created to live within that standard, not from a uh, in other words, we find our best life when we live according to God's standard. That's good. That's good. good. I don't know that I can add to that. That was just (laughs) just too wonderful. It was beautiful. Um, (laughs) When I think about God's righteousness, I mean, I mean, I flipped to the, the passage where it says that. Uh, Jesus took on our sins so that we get his righteousness. Mm. When I think about the righteousness of God, I just think about uh, right standing, uh, purity, holiness, blamelessness. Um, And so just his righteousness is the thing without which we will never be in his presence. Mm -hmm. And so God is the epitome of righteousness Mm -hmm. and is what we desperately need to be deemed (laughs) and on our own we will never get there Mm -hmm. and so to me i just think about this insurmountable standard that on our own efforts we can never ever get to the point of being acceptable in his sight on our own righteousness Mm -hmm. and so it's just when we think about our work and what we try to do uh well if i just scrap and claw i'll get there eventually but i just think of this mount everest of standards that apart from god's Mm -hmm. grace and mercy like it's insurmountable Mm -hmm. apart from what christ does for us and makes us righteous before god so i just think about god's beauty his perfection um Mm -hmm. and just all that makes him who he is Mm -hmm. and our desire and our desperate need uh to be made acceptable in his sight so yeah Yeah, we know that um god's standard um for him to be righteous that he must always adhere to a perfect standard and that god is always um, that, that he is unwavering in his commitment to himself and to uh, his character. And, you know, when you kind of, if I look, take a look in the mirror, <laughs> that becomes pretty clear right. that just even the, the fact of, of being unwavering, right? Because there are days when uh, we feel like we might be pretty good at, at, at living for Christ. Then there are days where we feel like we're pretty bad at that. Well, God's righteousness means that he is unwavering in his commitment that he never turns to the right or to the left, that he is always seeking uh, his his own glory. And, uh, and and he's the only one that can do that, right? If we seek our own glory, we're going to talk about it in just a minute, that becomes a big problem for us. But as God seeks his own glory, it is to our good and to our benefit. And so God's righteousness is a good thing for us. It means that he uh, does what he says he's going to do, that he is always holding and, and, and adhering to the standard that he has brought forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think also we should uh, think about, you know, reading down just a few verses in there. Um, it says, what advantage uh, has the Jew or what is the value of circumcision? Uh, we know that uh, in the Old Testament that, that circumcision was a sign uh, that, that God commanded his people uh, that they would um, that they would be circumcised and that, that would be a sign that they were different. They were set apart. The uh, covenant. Yeah, it was it was a covenant that they made with God. Uh, it was it was in part partly to show their reliance on God, 
to show that, that, that they needed him to sustain them, to strengthen them, uh, that they were not just relying on themselves. But here, you know, Paul does something pretty interesting. He says, uh, or what is the value of circumcision? And he actually says that there is a value to circumcision. So for us in our context, what is it that we can say uh, about the chosen people of God? What does it mean that they were uh, entrusted with the oracles of God? What makes the people of God um, special in the sense of that God would give this to them and that he would entrust them? Yeah, um, so as you were talking there, I pivot all the way back to Abram. Mm. And, and the reason why is because, uh, so God appears to Abram, so we're talking about chosen people, all right? So um, it wasn't like there was a nation of Israel and then God just went and said, hey, I, I, I favor you over this group. God found an individual named Abram uh, who did not know him, but then God called to him and Abram responded. And, and it says about Abram that he believed on the Lord and the Lord credited it to him uh, or accounted it to him as, as righteousness. Mm-hmm. So Abram responds to a holy, and I like what Jason used the term beautiful when, he, when in describing God's righteousness. I really like that because a lot of times we think about righteousness, we just think about rules and all that. God's holiness is, is beautiful. His righteousness is, is, is adoring and endearing. And, uh, and so Abram responds to that. And out of Abraham comes, you know, the, uh, the Jewish nation. And, and so uh, they were entrusted with the very words of God because the seed of that, the seed of that goes all the way back to their patriarch, Abram, and, and him believing in and trusting in, uh, in God and responding uh, to the call of God and positioning his heart to want to live for and to, to obey God. And so that was their chosenness. And the great thing about for us is that uh, we are chosen. We are, God chooses us as well. We have, we have the ability to be chosen if we respond to God in the, in the same manner hmm. by believing on, on Christ, believing on, on the work that he's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's accounted, his righteousness then is, is accounted to us. Hmm. I, I love, um, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, I think it puts into perspective God choosing the people of God, the people of Israel, and what they contributed to that. So it says this in chapter uh, 7, verse 6, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And you could stop there and be like, man, awesome. we're awesome. Yeah, right. God is really lucky to have us on his team. Um, and then he says, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. Mm that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And so uh, it wasn't because they were awesome. It wasn't because they deserved it, but God in, in his grace, because he has made these promises to Abram and he's steadfast to his covenant, mm-hmm. set them apart ultimately to be a picture of his glory and grace and ultimately to be witnesses to the world Mm -hmm. of what it looks like to be set apart and to serve him as the one true God. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's some advantage (laughs) to God handpicking you to be his people and entrusting you with uh, his word and his promises and the patriarchs and the covenants. Like there's beauty uh, to that and something to be, uh, it means praiseworthy, not because they were great, but because God was very kind 
to uh, bestow those things upon them. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I mean, we do see over and over again, if you read the Old Testament and and if you just understand the modern church, uh, that there are failures within the people of God. Uh, we see, uh, you know, so much in Scripture, and, and we just look around in our uh, current context of, of, of life as the church, that there are failures. Uh, the people of God fail on a, an individual level, but then they also f- fail many times on a corporate level. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I do think that um, that points to the root of, uh, of all sin, uh, which is, you know, you might call it rebellion. You might call it self-sufficiency. You might call it, uh, you know, self-seeking behavior. Uh, but it all uh, really ties into this desire that it goes all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve, right? That, that, they, that they knew God but that they didn't honor God. They, they, they chose another way, that they, they understood the things of God, but that they uh, rejected um, that and, and fell into sin. What other examples do you guys have from the Old Testament about the failings of the people of God and maybe some of the consequences of that? Hmm. Well, there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to choose from. I mean, when you think about, I mean, pretty much as soon as God led the people out of Egypt, mm. they forsook him and began to worship an idol that they made. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, our rebellion and idolatry are just rooted in our hearts. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what that theologian said, that our hearts are idol factories. Mm. And as soon as we have one exposed, we create another one that we worship. And so God's people were never deserving of his grace. Mm. They consistently failed and dropped the ball. And he over and over again and said, it's not because you're so faithful. It's because I'm faithful to my covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made them, made it very clear that they, they were undeserving of mercy and grace. But it was for his name and his glory and his fame mm-hmm. that he kept his hand upon them, that a remnant would be kept, ultimately not just for their benefit. So we have to be reminded God didn't just save them and redeem them for their benefits, but so that they would be uh, a picture to the rest of the world. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. God doesn't just save us for our benefit. He saves us for the benefit of the world as well. And so he wanted to set them apart to be kind of a beacon on a hill. And over and over again, man, if you put yourself either, man, if I was God, I would have just yeah. wiped those jokers out yeah. because they just dropped the ball constantly. But God was just so steadfast in his, to his covenant and his love. And, man, just remained faithful to them even when they were completely faithless. I mean, it's the story of the scripture, right? It, uh, as you point out, it goes all the way back to our, our first parents. And then we were talking about Abram, you know, and – so Abram responds to God. God says, hey, I'm going to give you these promises. You, you don't have any children. You're too old to bear children. Your wife, I mean, it gets really descriptive. I mean, her womb was as good as dead. That's what the Bible says. Right. But I'm going to give you a child. I, and Abram says, man, I believe that. And God says, awesome. You know, I'm going to count to that to his righteousness. And then the promise is delayed according to Abram's time, time period, right? And then, uh, you know, and then so uh, he chooses to try to uh, fulfill the promise of God in his own way. Well, yeah, get, get around God's plan. Well, they both did, you know, because Sarah says, well, here's my handmaid and take her. And he's like, all right, you know, and and so he doesn't wait on having a child through Sarah. He he actually uh, goes through her uh, uh, her servant girl. Uh, and um, and uh, and so there you have a failure there. And, and throughout the scripture, you see like huge, massive failures, like you're talking about on a, on a corporate and national level. Yep. You know, you got the golden calf, Moses up there, you know, in the glory of God coming down with the big stone clap, tablets. And then, you know, and failures everywhere. yeah, and so you have huge failures like that. But then you have also, uh, you would see what 
in human terms would be minor failures in one sense. So, he, so Moses gets upset with Israel with the golden calf, but then Moses also doubts uh, uh, doubts God and His word. God says in, in in one story, "Don't smack a rock with your, don't provide for the people by uh, hitting the rock with your staff. Just speak to the rock." And Moses get mad. He gets mad. He smacks the rock. So he's disobedient. And that one disobedience kept him out of the promised land. Keeps, keeps him out of the promised land. And so we see, so we see, you know, the, like there's these huge things. And so in human terms, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We, we're quantifying how great is the sin, how small, oh, that's minimal. But the, the result is, is that all sin consequently keeps us out of the promised land that God yep. has for us. Yep. And, uh, but then we have this great promise, you know, in verse three, it says, even though we're faithless, mm-hmm. God is faithful. Full, his righteous standard is 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 there. Yeah, yeah. If you read the uh, the Old Testament prophets, that's pretty much why those books are written, because it's calling the people of God back to God. They're saying, "This is where you are. This is what you've done. God is calling you to faithfulness. He's calling you to Himself, and you have a decision to make: yeah. Will you serve God?" Or will you serve something else? And we know in the history of, uh, of the people of God, sometimes they did serve God. There yeah. were these grand gestures of, of, of coming back to the things of God. And then there were other times whenever uh, they uh, chose another way, right? Um, any other way. And, and you guys named a few examples. And, and I just think about on uh, even someone as, as mighty as King David was not above. I mean, there, there are many things that we can talk about with King David on the, the personal individual failures and how that had consequences beyond just himself. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but, but over and over and over again, the faithfulness of God causes uh, him to draw his people to himself, to call his people back to himself. And that just really points to the righteousness of God, which is what the text says, that the righteousness of God is, is, uh, is the standard and God is calling us to himself, who is the standard. Mm-hmm. And, and we, um, we have the opportunity to, to walk in faithfulness because of the faithfulness of God. And, and I would just encourage you, if you're watching this and you haven't watched uh, this last Sunday's uh, sermon on the, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, Pastor Brandon did a wonderful job talking about the faithfulness of God, even in the midst of our faithlessness, and, and that we are able to be faithful uh, because of the faithfulness of God. That's the only way that we can do it, right, is this through the grace that God gives to us. Um, <clears throat> here's another question. How does our unrighteousness, it says later on down there, if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall uh, we say? Uh, that God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? And he says, I speak in a human way by no means. So here's a question, guys. How does our unrighteousness, or, or even use a historic example of the people of God or, or, or another example, how does our unrighteousness serve to show the righteousness of God? I would say that our unrighteousness is a megaphone of our need for God. Um, much like the law was never put in place to save, but to reveal the need to be saved. Yeah. Um, our unrighteousness just reveals <laughs> just how needy and desperate we are um, because we, are, we were made to be with God and sin has broken that within us. 
And so we're, we try to do all these different things in order to get back to God. And so all of our unrighteousness just reminds us that we have a desperate need that we cannot fix on our own. Mm. Um, and it just kind of forces us to, to at some point look up mm. and look for help um, from something beyond us and above us. So, um, man, our unrighteousness, I think just, again, I think it's just a, a, a loud megaphone from our heart of just a plea for, um, for something that we know we can't do for ourselves. It's really good. Yeah, I love how, you know, here in the, in the passage when it was talking about this, it says, um, but if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? And then Paul, you have the parenthetical statement that says, I speak in a human way. Mm-hmm. And, then it, and then you have the emphatic statement, by no means. In other words, that's not, that's not the point. Um, for then how could God judge the world? In that, in that phrase there, that God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us. And I love the wording there because I think from a human standpoint, when we think about God's judgment, it, at least when I, was, when I was growing up, that was my view of God, that, that God's waiting, waiting to inflict wrath on me yep. um, because he is this righteous, holy standard. And, and as Jason just said, my failure to be able to live up to God's holiness, uh, to his standard, only serves to show my, in, my inability and reflect, you know, his righteousness. And, and there's, there's a grace in that, but in my head, it's like, okay, but God's waiting just to judge me. And, it, and that's actually not the point. The point in, in uh, exposing uh, our sin and us eating the consequences of our, of our sin mm-hmm. is not because God wants to punish us, but it's because he desires to call us back to live in that standard of righteousness that he created us to live in. And because God chose us mm-hmm. and we've walked out on that, God, by his grace, says, here, here, here I am. Here's that standard. Here you are. I've, I've made a way to, uh, to bridge this, this gulf, you know, through, through Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just love that, you know, in human ways, we think God's inflicting uh, pain on us or wrath on us because God's just upset that we haven't lived up to standard. And in truth, what it is, is that God is saying, I'm your, I'm your father and your satisfaction is, is found with me. Yeah. God would not be who God, who he is, unless he was faithful to allow the consequences and, and the, the, the punishment to come when, when the standard is not met. Uh, you know, I feel like that there's oftentimes a pushback on the, the, you know, people are worried that God is a, a bad guy, right? That he, he's actually the most good because he does what he says he's going to do. We want, we, 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 we should love that God keeps his promises, both in the blessing, but also in the cursing, mm. because we want God to hate sin. Uh, we want God to hate sin because he hated sin and, and, and his desire for reconciliation is what, is what moves him to, to send his one and only son uh, to, to die because, because he hated sin yeah. in that way. And, and, and he loves himself and he loves his own glory and, and makes a way where, like you guys are saying, that there is no way. And I think our unrighteousness, like you were saying, Jason, our righteousness does our unrighteousness does uh, serve as a loud, uh, a loud noise, a, a megaphone. You said uh, that shows our deep need, and and I think that it's just so important for us to 
recognize and realize that no matter how good we think someone is in comparison or how much we think we're better than somebody in comparison, that the only comparison that matters is the comparison between God's standard Mm -hmm. perfection and our ability, which is always imperfection. Charles, you said earlier before the podcast was, you know, if you've broken one law, you are a lawbreaker. Right. Right. If you have, if you've messed up on one part, that's what the Bible says. That if you have, you've transgressed in one, in one small thing, you have become a transgressor, and and so therefore there is, there is, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but there is no one that lives up to that standard. Only God Himself can live right. up to that standard. Um, speaking of the 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 consequences of God, the um, and we've touched on this a little bit. What is the ultimate goal? Uh, in in God allowing the consequences in our failure, what is what is God after? What does He really want from us when uh, when when our unrighteousness shows up and the megaphone is going off, uh, showing just how deep our need is for Him? What is He really after? Yeah, it's uh, it almost sounds uh, counterintuitive, but the fact of the matter is is that. God, because of his love and his grace for us, allow, we experience the consequences of our rebellion, our selfishness in, in, in these things because it's God's way of pointing us back toward him. Mm. It, it's not, once again, it's not about behavior modification um, because we can't, we can't live that law out in, a, in and of our own. God is asked for the, the transformation of our heart, but, uh, uh, but even that is to say what God is trying to do is, look, I, I created you to live in intimate uh, satisfaction, uh, 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 an intimate relationship with me that would be all satisfying to your soul. Because in the beginning, that's how I created. I created our relationship with, uh, with mankind uh, to have that kind of uh, intimacy. And, and so it's the calling back. And uh, I uh, love what you said here a minute ago, uh, Matt, because in human terms, once again, we, we want to think about sin from a standpoint of, man, these are the real biggies. And, and if you commit this sin, then, yeah, man, you, you deserve condemnation and God's going to be after you. You know, but I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't commit those big things. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm faithful to my wife and I'm, you know, a good dad to my kids and I you help old ladies across the street. And, right. you know, but the, the standard we're going to uh, here is God's righteous total standard and um so then when i when i look at myself in light of that glory in light of that beauty in light of that holiness we're all found wanting and the the thing about it is this is that there are things that i have not done there's conduct that i have not perpetrated out but it was in my heart i didn't punch in the face but i really did want to (laughs) Right, right you know but um but really getting back to your question i mean uh uh, it is a grace that we actually endure the consequences of, of our sin because it points us back to our need for God and the fact that he's the one who ultimately wants to redeem us back. Yeah. I think, um, real quick, I, I think about the passage just in the chapter before in chapter 2 where Paul writes um, that the kindness of God is mm-hmm. meant to lead you to repentance. Mm-hmm. So we very rarely think of consequences as kindnesses. Mm. <laughs> but the fact that God allows us to reap what we sow and we have consequences for our sin is meant to lead us to repentance. Yeah. Um, not worldly sorrow, but godly sorrow, because 
Uh, even God's good gifts are his kindness, but God's good gift in the form of a consequence for our sin is also a kindness yeah. meant to wrap back up into repentance to push us back towards him. Old Testament, people of God would sin. God would discipline them. They would repent. He would restore them. They would sin. <laughs> it's a cyclical, yeah, but yeah. every every bit of that was meant to bring them back to repentance and bring them back to restoration to him. You know, we're all parents here, and so, you know, we know that good parenting you can't come in and rescue your child from every consequence. Right. Uh, that's how you spoil a kid. That's how you raise a tyrant. If you want your kid to rule over your household, just yeah, that's right. And uh, so good parenting, that's what you do. I mean, obviously you don't put their safety or anything like that at, at sure. risk, but there are times when you have to allow your, your, your child to experience the negative consequences of their action mm -hmm. so that you can come in and point them to a better way mm -hmm. um, so that you can come in and restore and redeem them but they uh, but they experience those uh, those costs and those wages and it helps them learn and and this obedience is, is learned mm -hmm. but invariably you know the the reason why we do that is because we love our children just as, as the Heavenly Father loves us and through experiencing these consequences he's actually it's actually a grace a kindness as Jason said that calls us back to him yeah it's really good um, Right here at the end, it, it says in uh, verse um, 7, But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? Uh, as some people slanderously charge us with saying. Uh, you know, I, I think as we end here, there's sort of a uh, back to the beginning that, that Paul does here with, with this verse because he says, you know, why, why shouldn't I just continue to do these evil things because I know that it's going to end up being glorifying to God. And, and, you know, I think the, the point that God is making here for us is he's the whole point is that he has called his people to himself, uh, for his glory. And that if his people act in a way that is not the way that he desires for them to behave, then, they're actually not living out, going all the way back to what you said at the beginning, Charles. They're not acting out of their identity. Mm. They are not doing the very best that they could be doing, right? Yeah. And so in many ways, God is calling us to be who we are. If God has called us to himself, he's adopted us. If you are a believer in Jesus, then, then the Bible says that you have been adopted into the family. Right. If, you are, if you have been adopted by God, you are now his child. And, and, and God is over and over and over again calling us to be who he has made us. You're my son. You're my daughter. Uh, and, and, that, and, and our family, uh, the family of God is about something. And, and primarily what we're about is the glory of our father. Yeah. And, and as we act that out, as we live that out, as we uh, do as the word tells us and as our father teaches us, uh, then, then we actually fulfill our identity, our purpose, and it is the most fulfilled that we can be. We find our identity and our fulfillment in Him and in Him alone. Uh, any final words on uh, failure and faithlessness, um, uh, fa faithfulness of God from you guys? Well, when I look at this last verse, one of the things I feel like, you know, we live in a, a postmodern culture and as human beings, and once again, going back to sort of the father-kid angle, I remember as a kid, you know, when my dad maybe called me account, I would, I would try to squirrel my way around stuff, make, you know, uh, 
every excuse. He says this, I dart that way. Right. He says that, I dart the other way. And I almost feel like this is what Paul's doing here when he, when he talks about what, you know, uh, with, with these last couple of verses. Why not do evil that good may come? Hmm. You know, and I feel like in a postmodern culture, we have a lot of people, that's how they think. You know, well, hey, you know, it really doesn't matter. But the point gets back to what you were saying, Matt, which is just this. And this is the good news out of, out of this text, which is, is that the, the fact of the matter is, is that God created us to live in his glory, through his glory. He created us uh, for glory, to be satisfied only in him. And getting back to what was said at the very beginning, God, as the creator of the world, created a standard of righteousness. And in, in it's put in the heart of man hmm. to, uh, to find... His, mo his, his, his fulfillment, his true identity um, uh, by responding to that righteousness. And that's what God calls us to. You know, and, and here's, here's the fact of the matter. I know a lot of people, well, I don't say a lot, but I know a number of people who don't, they don't serve God. They don't, they're, 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 but they're, they're great people. Mm. You know, got great families, good serving the community, these kinds of things. And somebody said, well, you know, hey, my life is, is pretty good. It's like, well, yeah, but it's pretty good according to a human standard. But, but what you don't know is if your heart, if you, if you responded to God's righteousness and you, and you sought after God, you don't know the deep satisfaction that you're actually missing out right. on, the, the identity, the, the belonging mm. that, that comes with being adopted. Mm -hmm. you know? And um, so... Uh, like you said, I mean, that's, to me, this is what I see when, it, when, when uh, I look at this passage. It's all about the kindness of God, the redemption of God, and uh, God's willing to, to do what it takes to, to be able to invite us back into his, into his good graces. Yeah. I think, uh, and I referenced, referenced this earlier, but just the verse that always stands out to me whenever we're talking about the righteousness of God is just the cost of our righteousness. Mm -hmm. um, 2 Corinthians five twenty one says, For our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so just the cost of what it means to be made righteous. And then, you know, Paul answers on question later in Romans, you know, when he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means? Mm -hmm. So as believers, <laughs> our goal, we've been made new and we've been given the righteousness of God. And so... We would never, ever say, well, I just can do whatever I want, and God will just give me more grace. Like, we are called to live out of the righteousness that's been given to us in Jesus, yeah. and there's a motivation in there and an obedience in there, not because we're trying to earn our righteousness, but because yeah. that's what you said. That is our identity now, and that's who we are, and that's how we live it out, and that brings glory to God in a really beautiful way. So, Yeah, yeah Jason, I think that's really good, and, and I think that for each of us, as we consider what it is to walk through these days, um, uh, as we you know, encounter people on a daily basis in our, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our uh, communities, in, in the, in church and in, in our workplace. You know, it is, it is so important for each of us to understand that God is the righteous judge. Um, we are uh, his children. And uh, for us to follow our father, for us to love one another well, we must understand our place in that. Uh, that our, our call is to love mm. and to serve and to care for those uh, both inside the church and those who do not yet know Jesus. Um, because we do know that God is righteous and that his judgment is perfect. 
and that uh, that that one day um, that will that will be made known to all. Um, so uh, we love you guys. We thank you so much for uh, being with us today. Uh, if you have any questions, you can email us info at redemptionhill.net and look forward to uh, speaking with you again next week.